You're listening to podcast audio from Radiant Church, located in Bay City, Michigan. For more information on Radiant Church, you can check us out on www.radiantbc.com or follow us on social media at Radiant Bay City. All right, I'm humbled to be back here again. I was here in the summer of, well, last year. And so it's good to be back with you this morning. I'm honored and humbled by the invitation. It's one thing to be asked to speak somewhere, but to be asked back, oh my goodness, that doesn't happen all the time. So thank you for that. Um, I, I, my prayer this week has been that this message, well, the Word of God, uh, through his scripture, would be a blessing to you, that it would encourage you and edify you, that it would strengthen your faith and trust. All right, so that has been my prayer um, I'm stoked to examine a story with you. Uh, this story, some of you will be like, man, I've heard that a hundred times. Well, that's all right. I'm asking that you would, you would approach it with me with fresh eyes and ears and a fresh heart. And maybe this story is brand new to you. And it might be a little weird, but that's okay. We're going to walk through it together but it's, we're going to have a type in Scripture, all right? So a type is a figure or example of something in the future. Uh, it's pre-acting out a future event. So Scripture is full of types. They're all over. Um, but we're going to focus on one major one uh, this morning. But first, we're going to have a little pregame to the Scripture with the broken, that's where I'm going to start, with creation. Uh, man was created in God's image, Genesis chapter 1. Then we have a command. The Lord God said, do not eat of the fruit of, the, of knowledge of good and evil. Okay, Genesis chapter 2. Then we have the serpent's temptation. And he says, wait a second. You will not surely die. God doesn't want you to eat of that fruit because you will know things that he knows. You will have new wisdom. Genesis 3. Well, the temptation led to partaking of the fruit, which was sin. And so Adam and Eve, our first parents, ate of the tree, Genesis chapter 3, which led to shame. They realized all of a sudden that they're walking around naked. And then the confrontation. Because the Lord would walk with them in the garden. Says, who told you that you were naked? Genesis 3. Genesis 3, 20 and 21, it says, Then the man Adam named his wife Eve because she would be the mother of all who live. Your mom. And the Lord God made clothing from animal skins for Adam and his wife. So we see from the very beginning that God had their best interests on the forefront of his mind and heart. And he created through a sacrifice animal skin to cover their nakedness, to cover their shame. This message is... God's got it covered, nay, God's got you covered. And he's had you covered from the beginning, he's got you covered now, and he's got you covered in the future. Oh, well, I'm getting a little ahead of myself. 
I'm sorry. I, I, I tend to do that sometimes. <laughs> oh, man. All right. So we, we're going to see that from the very beginning, his mercy made a sacrifice that provided for his children. We move from the broken to the blood. Shane, why you got to talk about blood, man? Dude, it's a beautiful autumn morning, afternoon. I've got my fall clothes on. I, I'm one to say that I believe the fall clothes are the best clothes of the entire year. Church, are you with me? <laughs> oh, man, I love breaking out the fall clothes. I actually wear them all the time. But anyway, you're like, why in the world are you talking about blood? I'm, I'm getting ready for second communion. Donuts and cider. Okay, uh, I don't want to be thinking about this. We're, we've got to. We've got to. The whole of the Old Testament, every book, points towards the great sacrifice that was to come. That of Jesus' sacrificial giving of his own life on our behalf. Pastor Marco talked about that right before communion which I'm so glad we partook of that together uh, before the message. So that's awesome. Leviticus 17.11 is the Old Testament central statement about the significance of blood in the sacrificial system. God speaking to Moses declares, For the life of a creature is in the blood, and I have given it to you to make atonement covering for yourselves on the altar. It is the blood that makes atonement, payment, for one's life. Blood is a precious currency. This is the way God set it up. Now, I do have questions about this. Why does it have to be this way? This is the way he set it into motion. And who am I but a finite, weak man, you know? Um, who am I to question, you know? A sacrifice is defined as the offering up of something precious for a cause or a reason. Making atonement is satisfying someone or something for an offense committed. Satisfying God for the offense against him from the beginning. The Leviticus verse can be read more clearly now. God said, I have given it to you, the creature's life, which is in its blood, to make atonement for yourselves, covering the offense you have committed against me. In other words, those who are covered by the blood sacrifice are set free from the consequences of sin. I'm sure it was unnerving for God's people to witness an animal being sacrificed, slaughtered on an altar to atone, to cover their sins. Perhaps the intense killing of a sacrificial animal, though, made them truly see the reality of their sin against a holy God. Think about that. Aren't you glad that we don't have to go about that any longer? There's a reason for that. You know where I'm going. The early Israelites did not know Jesus, of course. But they did believe God would be sending them a savior to atone. All of the many, many, many blood sacrifices seen throughout the Old Testament were a foreshadowing of the true once-for-all time sacrifice to come. This being so, the Israelites would never forget that without the blood, there is no forgiveness. This shedding of blood is a substitutionary act. 
Therefore, the last clause of Leviticus 17.11 could be read, the blood makes atonement at all cost of the life. Or, makes atonement in the place of life. The sinner's life, your life, my life, with Jesus being the one giving, giver of life, his shed blood. Now we move to the boy. The broken, the blood, the boy. Three heavenly beings visited Abraham one day. Now this man was made righteous or deemed as righteous by God because of his faith. And it was promised to him that he would be the father of many nations. Keep that in mind as we move along here. Abraham, he came to Abraham and told him in a year he would have a son. It was his desire to have one. It seemed impossible because Sarah was 90 years old, his wife, and Abraham was 100. Now, I know they lived a little longer here back in the day, but nevertheless, still, think about that. Abraham laughed in disbelief. Sarah, who was eavesdropping, also laughed at the prophecy, but God heard her. She denied the laughing, though. God told Abraham, why did she laugh and say, will I really have a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? And I'll ask you that, because maybe you've been asking and asking and asking for something, and you're saying, it's too great for the Lord to grant to me. But in reality, what we need to have is patience and trust in order to ride it out in that in his timing, he would grant that desire of your heart that comes from him ultimately anyway, right? But a lot of times what we do is we say, well, I've been waiting and waiting and waiting for so long, and this is a good desire of my heart. Therefore, I'm going to go out and grab it and take it now because I deserve it. And the Lord is slow about his, his promises. The Lord is slow about his answering of prayer. The Lord is slow about his blessing unto me or my family or whoever or whatever. And we go out and we steal a blessing that should be given by the Lord. Let's not do that. Let's have patience and trust in order to wait it out in his good timing. Okay, back to the story. All right. Of course the prophecy came true. Sarah had a son. They named him Isaac. Abraham obeyed God, naming the baby Isaac, which means he laughs, reflecting um, his parents' unbelief of laughter regarding the promise in accordance with the Lord's instructions. I know people that are praying for a child, and they've been praying for a very, very, very long time. And maybe you're in that boat too. You've been praying for a long time. Lord, wouldn't you want, you said, be fruitful and multiply. Why in the world haven't we gotten pregnant? That's just one example of what could be going on in your life this season. God had promised several times that from Abraham's own body would come a nation of many, many as the stars in heaven, Genesis 12. Later, Abraham was specifically told that the promise would be through Isaac, the promised son. Now we move to the binding, okay? 
we think the blood was a little weird, here we go. The Akida, I'll say it again, the Akida, actually say it with me. This is a, we're going to learn a Hebrew word today. Say, Akida. Yes, this is the binding of Isaac. That's what the word means, or the incident means. Um, it's the story of how Abraham was tested by God to bind his beloved son Isaac and offer him as a sacrifice on Mount Moriah. Wait a second. He was promised. Why would the Lord grant a promise and then ask for that promise to be taken away? Well, how about your life? What has the Lord blessed you with but then asked you to sacrifice later? What has he blessed you in the past with that presently or in the future he will ask you to release, let go of, or sacrifice? This one, uh, and it might be more than five loaves and two fish from a kid passing his going out, passing his lunch around to people in need of some food, be multiplied by the Lord through the help of his disciples. This is one of the most widely read passages of Scripture in Jewish liturgy. Recited during every morning service and also during Rosh Hashanah, the Jewish New Year. The following prayer is recited um, before the reading of Genesis 22. If you have your Bible, turn with me to Genesis 22 or look on your phone or look on the screen. Here's the prayer. Our God and God of our fathers, remember us in good remembrance before you and recall in recollection salvation and mercy from the heaven of heavens of old. Remember us, Lord, our God, the love of the ancients, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants, the covenant and the mercy and the oath that you swore to Abraham, our father, on Mount Moriah, and the Akidah when he bound Isaac, his son, on top of the altar. All right, let's get to the story. Genesis 22, let's start in verse 1. God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied, here I am. Take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains which I will show you. The next morning, Abraham got up early. He saddled his donkey and took two of his servants with him, along with his son Isaac. Then he chopped wood for a fire, for a burnt offering, and set it out for the place God had told him about. On the third day of the journey, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Stay here with the donkey, Abraham told the servants. The boy and I will travel a little further. We will worship there, and then we will come right back. So Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders. Remember that for later. When he, while he himself carried the fire and the knife. 
As the two of them walked on together, Isaac turned to Abraham and said, Father? Yes, my son. We have the fire and the wood, but where is the sheep for the burnt offering? God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son. Abraham answered, and they both walked on together. When they arrived at the place where God had told him to go, Abraham built an altar and arranged the wood on it. Then he tied his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Abraham's like a hundred years old. Where's the struggle? And I'm thinking, what's going on in the narrative? It just went from carrying wood to now uh, laying on the altar? Where's the, the fight? Where's the questioning? Where's, where's the argument? Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. I can't even fathom this. I have a son. He's 19. He could probably beat me up. <laughs> okay. I'm halfway to 100. But anyway... Where is it? What's going on here? At the moment, okay, wait, back up. And Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. I've seen paintings where he's like holding the knife above his son. Uh, the picture I had up here for you that Victoria helped me with, that one shows a knife to his throat. At the moment, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, in the nick of time. How often does the Lord come through at 11.59 when payment is due at 12? How, how, how often? Our dependence on him for all things and everything. Down to the wire. Come on, Lord. Do you see me? Do you hear me? Do you know me? Do you see this situation? I'm going to have to take matters into my own hands here. Come through. Let's trust him. It's not easy. Back to the story. Abraham replied, here I am again. At the beginning, Abraham, Abraham, here I am. Abraham, in the nick of time, here I am. Don't lay a hand on the boy, the relief that washed over him. Do not hurt him in any way, for now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me even your son, your only son. Then Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught by its horns in a thicket. So he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering in the place of his son. A substitutionary act. Abraham named the place Yahweh Yaira, which means the Lord will provide. And to this day, people still use that name as a proverb. On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. When the Lord asks you to walk out something hard as a test of faith, or a stretching of trust, however you want to call it, he comes through 
when we walk out those steps of obedience. We may not see it coming. We may think it's going to happen a different way. But doesn't he? If you've been faithful to the Lord for a while, you're going to know that when you trust him and you walk out in obedience and you walk by faith and live by faith, not just by speaking it, but by your words, and, uh, but by more than your words, your actions, sorry, he comes through and he provides. Then the angel of the Lord called again to Abraham from heaven. This is what the Lord says. Because you have obeyed me and have not withheld even your son, your only son, I swear by my own name that I will certainly bless you. I will multiply your descendants beyond number like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will conquer the cities of their enemies, and through your descendants, all the nations of earth will be blessed, all because you have obeyed me. Then they returned to the servants and traveled back to Beersheba, where Abraham continued to live. Church, when we walk out in obedience, the steps that God has asked us to through his scripture, through another word from another person, our steps of obedience may bless generations to come because you said yes. Because you said yes when it was hard, when it seemed impossible. You said yes because you trusted, because you had the experience, you had the word. And your children or their children or their children's children or beyond may be blessed, may be on a new trajectory because you said yes. And it isn't easy. It ain't easy. And that's when we have to take up our own cross and follow after Jesus in the steps of his sacrifice. Because he said, when you follow me, there may not be a pillow to rest your head. You think they hate me, they'll hate you more. You think that you're, I'm doing some good stuff, you're going to do amazing things. I'm going to unlock the Holy Spirit for you, and you're going to see miracles and things that, that go beyond what you're seeing now. And generation and generation, yeah, and generation and generation, they will reap the benefits of the obedience of the past. Man. God's command to sacrifice Isaac was to test Abraham's faith. God's test prove and purify our faith. You say, Shane, I've been tested enough. No more testing. I've passed it all. I've passed all the tests. Man, the Lord is like, man, there's more. There's deeper. There's further. Oh, man. Well, we, can we wait until this, this test is done? Let's not have a... Can we, can we have a season of reprieve after this test? Because this is hard. They cause us... These tests cause us to seek him and trust him more. And God's test of Abraham allowed his child and all the world to see the reality of faith in action. Let your children see you walking out faith as an example, and watch them take it 
further. Oh, shoot. <laughs> Watch him take it further. And you say, run. You say, go. You say, I've got you, and I'll be your greatest cheerleader. Because you're taking the mustard seed of faith that I had. And you'll reap a harvest because of my weakness made strong through Christ Jesus. Take the baton and go. Faith is more than an inner spiritual attitude. Faith works, James 2. Why did God ask Abraham to sacrifice his promised son? It doesn't make sense. God's command to sacrifice Isaac was to provide an example of absolute obedience. After God gave the command, early the next morning, Abraham got up, loaded the donkey, headed on his way. No argument, no questioning. There was no delay, just simple obedience, which brought a huge blessing. Thank God. God's command to sacrifice Isaac was to foreshadow God's sacrifice of his own son. You knew I was going there. But isn't it beautiful that God is setting things up from the beginning? The story of Abraham prefigures the New Testament teaching of the atonement, the paying or the covering, the sacrificial offering of the Lord Jesus on the cross for the sin of the whole world. Here are some parallels between the sacrifice of Isaac and the sacrifice of Christ, the only begotten Son of God. Let's juxtapose these. Take your son, your only son, whom you love, Genesis 22. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, John 3. How about this? Go to the region of Moriah, sacrifice him there, Genesis 22. It is believed that this same area is where the city of Jerusalem was built many years later. Jesus was crucified in the same vicinity that Isaac had been laid on the altar. How about this one? Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering. Or Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, 1 Corinthians 15. How about this? Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. Jesus carried his own cross, walked to Calvary. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering, Isaac says? Well, John said, look, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the whole world. God himself will provide the lamb, Abraham said. Jesus is likened to a spotless lamb in 1 Peter 1 and a slain lamb in Revelation 5. Church, we worship the lamb that was slain. But we also worship the king as he reigns. Right? Amen. Amen. Isaac, who was likely a young man at the time of his sacrifice, acted in obedience 
to his father, maybe questioning in his heart, but not putting up a fight. Before his sacrifice, Jesus prayed, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Walking out in obedience, what you and I may never, ever have to ever experience. Isaac was resurrected figuratively, and Jesus was resurrected in reality. Abraham reasoned that God could raise the dead, and figuratively speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the dead, Hebrews eleven nineteen. Jesus was buried and was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures. So consider how the Akidah provides a prophetic picture of Jesus, the anointed one, as the promised Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the whole world. Willingly. This was all because of love. A love so deep. The love of a father to a son, to multitudes of nations, to many, Jew and Gentile, slave and free, rich and poor, you and me, because of love. The love of the Father for the whole world. Man. That ram was a substitute that saved Isaac's life. Christ is the spotless lamb who saves ours. Unlike Abraham, though, God the Father actually offered his son in order to make salvation available to us. That's how the stories are different. Before Jesus took his last breath, or before he said it is finished, God didn't say, wait, stop. Hold on. Just kidding. The veil was torn in two. The sky grew black. And Christ took his last breath for you and me. I sometimes take it for granted. I really do. And I don't want to. Church, in the Old Testament, the covenant, it was the blood of a sacrificial animal on the altar that covered their sin. In the New Testament covenant, it's the blood of Jesus placed upon the mercy seat that covers all of our sins. So the motivation for God's action is love. His love for his people covered a multitude of sins by accepting the sacrifice that was perfect and spotless and true and we accepting the free gift of Christ's salvation covers us with a covering so beautiful. And although Christianity presents a bloody sacrifice in the beginning, in the end it is gorgeous. It is beautiful. And your lives are the examples and testimony. The things that you've experienced. The refining fires the hands of the potter on the clay, the molding and making, the trust and the faith, 
The motivation for God's action is love. Trusting in Christ and his atoning sacrifice is beautiful. And it's a free gift that will cost you the rest of your life. Thank God we don't have to repeat it yearly. Thank God it was covered once for all time. This is why Jesus said, it is finished. Never again would the blood of bulls and goats cleanse men and women for their sin. Christ's death atones, covers it all. Not one of us would stand in the presence of God without condemnation if we were not, if not for the covering, death of Jesus. Only by accepting that we are seen as righteous in the eyes of God through the lenses of Christ and the blood that was shed. But wait, there's more. I'm almost done. Fast forward. Revelation chapter 6. If you have a Bible, you can turn there. Revelation 6. God is still in the business of covering us, not only with the precious blood of Jesus, but get a load of this. Revelation 6, a white robe was given to each of them, and they were told to rest a little longer until the full number of brothers and sisters would be made known. And then, <laughs> Revelation chapter 7, here's a little glimpse of the future through the revelation from John the Revelator. After this, I saw a vast crowd. This is verse 9. Too great to count. From every nation and tribe, the promise through Abraham and people and language standing in front of the throne and before the Lamb, which is Christ. They were clothed in white. I don't, I'm not worthy to wear white. In Christ, you are. You are seen as righteous because of your faith, because of the work of Christ on the cross. And they held palm branches in their hands, and they were shouting with a mighty shout, salvation comes from our God on the throne and from the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne. Is What a sight to behold. Around the elders and the four living beings, and they fell face down before the throne and worshiped God. And they said, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and strength belong to our God forever and ever. And I'll add ever and ever and ever and ever. See, church, we only know birth, life, and death. It boggles my mind when I think about everlasting life. But we will be clothed in white and we will be in the presence of God forever. It's a mind trip. That's what he has for us. The Lord has us covered in the past. He's got us covered in the present. And he will have you covered in the future. Hallelujah. Thank the Lord. Would you stand with me, please? Stand with me.
Would you close your eyes? This is the part of reflection or assessment or just searching our own hearts or minds. Holy Spirit, by your power, we ask that you would search our minds or hearts. Search us, O oh God. Know us. Let us see if there's any wicked way within us. <laughs> oh, Lord. We ask that you would bring up things even now that maybe we've stuffed away or we've been trying to keep hidden or things that we just can't even face on our own. Jesus, you said, come to me, all of you who are burdened and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. So we place everything at the foot of your cross, Jesus. So right now, what is it that the Holy Spirit is bringing to our minds that we need to release or let go of and place at the foot of the cross because Jesus Christ himself can carry that burden. He can manage that burden. He can cover that burden when we cannot. We think we can do it on our own. I'm wondering in here this morning, you say, Shane, the Lord is asking me to sacrifice something very precious to me and I don't want to let go. And I know it would be right and I know it would be true and I know it would be hard, but I need some help. Is there anyone here that would say, pray for me as I need to release or let go of something very precious to me in order to walk out obedience? Is there anyone here that would say that I see that hand? Thank you. Thank you for being honest with yourself and before the Lord. Another hand, thank you. Dear Heavenly Father, a third hand, thank you. I pray, God, that you would be with the people here, the three or more that are saying that, that the sacrifice is too great. But Lord, give them assurance. Reveal something. Give them a word, give them a scripture. Give them, give them something in a small group, a person someone to walk beside them. Maybe it's even just admitting it. Lord, be with them in this situation, in this season. Maybe uh, you're here and you're like, Lord, I, I, the testing is too great. I can't, I can't face another test. I'm done with the tests. I've, I've, I've experienced it all and I can't go anymore. I'm going to need the strength of the Lord if there's anything that he's going to bring my way in order to test me or to help strengthen my faith and trust in him. Is there anyone here that would say that? I see a couple hands. Thank you. Thank you for your honesty. Lord, be with those who might be, maybe this is the calm before the storm. And, and, and people are, are sensing that there's something coming or they know it it's just a matter of time. We pray, God, that you would give them the strength to face it, to walk through it, the courage to walk through it, the empowering of your Holy Spirit to get through it, the, the, the encouragement from the community of faith, your word, whatever it is. You wouldn't give them more than they can handle. So let all things work to the glory, your glory and for the good. Is there anyone here that would say, you know, this, um, I, I'm not ready. I don't know yet if I'm ready to commit or submit my heart and my life to the Lord, but 
today I might be a step closer. And in this place that's safe, the sanctuary of peace and refuge, I, I lift my hand to say that I'm willing to, to see what's next. I'm willing to take another step. I'm willing to see what the Lord will reveal. Is there anyone here that would say that? Today, yeah, thank you. Yeah. I pray for the one or more in here this morning, Lord, that you're, you're showing them things that only they may see. You're showing them things that seem impossible. You're showing them things in your word or through, the, through a word of a brother or sister or something, a situation. They can't deny it or maybe they want to, but we pray for the next step that would get, get them closer to you and you're so close to them. You're so close. So we pray for, for that relationship. And maybe it's not, maybe it isn't someone in this space, but maybe it's a person that you have brought into our lives at school or work or family or friend or neighborhood or where else. I don't know. But you have placed us in their lives. You have divinely appointed us to know them and engage them so that they may see you through them as hands and feet, as salt, light, and love in this city and beyond. So give us the courage and the strength to not be perfect, but to show and talk about you, the one who is perfect, our spotless, holy, righteous lamb that was slain. We worship the king as he reigns. Dear Heavenly Father, we pray that um, whatever you've shown us today, we would glean and we take from here and um, you would multiply it. We love you so much. We take you for granted all the time. And we're sorry. We're sorry for the days and the situations where we turn our eyes away from you. It's happened to me. And I apologize. I'm sorry. I need you more than anything. And I need you over everything. We all do. <laughs> You've been so good and faithful. In Jesus' name, amen.